0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Empowered Homes Leadership Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage, equip, and challenge leaders to be the best leaders they can be in all areas of their life. Uh, Today's episode is another part in our our Lead Talk series. If you want more information about that, you can go to empoweredhomes.orgslash lead and you can find all the information on those things. But today we're about to hear from Brett Laxton. Uh, Brett is on staff at Kingsland Baptist Church. He works uh, with our off campus small groups, and Brett Brett has had a unique story and testimony uh, in life, but you're about to hear from him uh, talking about the toughest question he ever had to answer. And uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. you got to watch and listen. Brett, Brett brings home uh, a message every leader should, should wrestle with and be able to, to impact those around them. So if you have questions or, or have comments or anything, you can email us at leaders at empoweredhomes.org.
1: Hey, good morning. I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes of your time. Um, my position here at the church requires me to be involved in people's lives. It requires me to be in meetings, to lead meetings, to, to be intimately involved in getting people plugged in. Um, and part, probably the most important part of leadership, it requires me to listen. And these things aren't unique to your job. You're probably confronted with these things every day that you have to you have to listen. You'd be people, involved in people's lives. And uh, the thing that's probably unique is that I'm deaf. And to be more exact, I have profound hearing loss, which means I can hear loud noises. I just can't hear a human voice. And so why in the world would God have me in a position that requires me to be with people every day? And doing what he's doing in my life. And that's part of what I want to share today. This part, portion of my story is my journey through chemotherapy, through brain surgeries. And then uh, through my most recent adventure, which is uh, I had radiation therapy. Um, where they have to put you into a halo and they screw bolts in your head. And the doctors say, well, it's just going to be a little small pen. And they lied. They also said, you may swell up a little bit. And that's a little bit. So I don't know what a lot of it would be. But I don't know if there's any doctors in the room, but you all are liars. So <laughs> what I want to share with you, um, I was confronted with a question in my life. and It was the toughest question I ever had to answer. I'm going to ask that to you here in a little bit. First, let me give you a little bit of backstory. I grew up in uh, Columbia, Illinois, which is a small town outside of St. Louis, Missouri. So we are diehard, over-the-top, obnoxious Cardinal fans. I grew up in a normal family. Uh, my parents stayed married, uh, were married until my dad passed away this past year. They were incredible parents. When I was young, my dad began to have some seizures. We didn't know they were seizures at the time. He would just pass out at random times. As I moved into junior high, these seizures began to become more frequent. He went in to have an MRI. When they did the MRI, they found two massive brain tumors that were growing out of his auditory nerve, and they were crushing his brain stem. They were non-cancerous. And at this time, they diagnosed him with neurofibromatosis type 2. NF2 for short. I'm sure it's a disease that you are very familiar with, right? Uh, but one of the first things the doctors asked my parents and told them, it says, you need to have your boys checked because this is hereditary. So as we moved through high school, my dad had gone through multiple brain surgeries, through facial surgeries, and by my senior year, he had gone profoundly deaf. And during my senior year, we found out that my brother, along with myself, um, also carried NF2. What that meant during my 20s and 30s, I get married, I have kids, but life is pretty normal. It just means that I'm going in for MRIs once a year to check to make sure that the tumors aren't growing. By 2009, I'm living in Kansas City I was a student minister. The tumor on my left side had grown to the point where it was pushing my brain stem and I had to have my first brain surgery. After brain surgery, it left me completely deaf on that side. Fast forward through moves to Georgia and then eventually here to Houston. The tumor that I had remaining on the right side, I still had hearing, but the tumor was growing and it's pushing into my brain some. So I started three years of experimental chemo treatments. During those three years, I started to have this fear and anxiety that started to build up in my life about what my future may look like. I love people, I love talking to people, I love engaging with people, but what was my life gonna look like afterwards? As I went through these chemo treatments, after three years, I finally just had enough, the chemo treatments just leave you feeling bad. Um, But probably the more important part was I felt like I was just stiff-arming the inevitable and this anxiety continued to build. I knew that having another surgery was going to end up leaving me deaf. I knew that was going to be in the future. Um, my parents were incredible people. They did more right than they ever, they ever did wrong. But when my dad went deaf, he disengaged from life in many ways. And, and I understand because being deaf in a hearing world is tough. Like you, you're always trying to fight to, you know, you're always on high alert trying to figure out what's going on. If you're in a large group of people, most of the time you're just lost and you just smile, you know, like smile and wave, act like you know what's going on all the time. Um, and so I understood that from my dad, but he just, after he had to go on disability, he really disengaged. And I wondered if that's what my life was going to look like. Was I going to live a disengaged life? So I had brain surgery in 2020 in February. After I left, after I got out from surgery, to be honest with you, I felt fantastic. It was deaf, but I felt great. I came back to work quicker than I expected, which was kind of a bummer because I was wanting more time off because you should be able to use brain surgery, right? Like, who's not going to give you more time off if you're saying, well, I have brain surgery. Nobody's going to be like, get back to work. But I wanted to get back here. At the time, I was a lead video editor. So I started editing videos again, and I was relying on reading lips. Um, but after a while, I'm having to have a lot of people help, having to have people come up and check to make sure that you know what I thought people said, they actually said, making sure that my cuts were in the right place. I couldn't lay down any music. Um, all the while, this anxiety of like, What's my life going to look like? Am I going to be disengaged? Am I going to miss out in conversations with my kids and my my wife and then my co-workers? After a while, I went down. After about three months, I went down to Brad and I just said, I can't do this anymore. After several conversations, Brad said, would you want to become the off-campus community group leader? And I immediately said yes. And my answer may have looked very confident. But on the inside, I was really scared. I remember driving home with all these fears. It's crazy in our lives how our insecurities and how loud the voice of self-doubt can be in our lives. I was screaming out. I went home. I told my wife about the position. She was excited, but my wife is not one who's going to feel sorry for me or let me feel sorry for myself. And so I told her about the position, I also told her about my fears, and her reaction was like, whatever, you're going to do fantastic. Quit throwing yourself a pity party, get after it. But it was at this point in my life where God really confronted me with a question, and it's a question that if our kids were confronted with it, if your friends, if your co-workers were confronted with this issue, you'd be very straightforward in encouraging them. But when you're asking it about yourself, your inner voice and insecurities, it says something else to you. The question that felt like the Lord was asking me was, are you going to allow your current circumstances to dictate your future? Let me ask that again. Are you going to allow your current circumstances to dictate for your future? What you can and cannot do. A couple of other questions I want to ask. For you to go along with this is, for you, what are your insecurities? What are your current circumstances that you are allowing to limit your leadership? The second question is, who in your life is allowed to speak truth into your life? I found that as those voices of insecurities and self-doubt, and they speak so loudly, one of the ways that we can quiet those voices is by surrounding ourselves with the right voices. If you're the smartest one sitting at the table, you're probably sitting at the wrong table. The third question is, who are you relying on? In Galatians, Paul is talking to the church and he's in prison, but he tells the church at the time, he's saying, don't feel bad about my current circumstances. Because of my current circumstances, I'm able to build relationships with prisoners And prison guards were seeing God move in ways that we would have never seen him move had it not been for these circumstances. And then he says, I hope that you're able to experience the width and the depth and the height of God's love. My son Graham is a junior in high school. He plays baseball. Ever since he was in T-ball, you get done with a game, the coach would rally all the kids around and give some incredible you know, rah-rah speech. And ever since Graham was in T-ball, when he would get done with that speech, I would say, Graham, what did coach say? He'd always give the same answer. I don't know. <laughs> He's in high school and he does a little bit better with it, but there's still times that I, I'll ask Graham, what did coach say? I don't know. What he remembers is the coach that sends him a text that says, hey, I have an open slot in the batting cage. Come take some swings. Where the coach just stays after and hits them ground balls for an extra 30 minutes. He remembers the coaches that put actions to their words. And as leaders, we can put up front and we can say all of these inspiring things. But if we're not willing to deal with our insecurities, our lives say something different. And our words just become words. And I say this with all humility, because I'm not the hero of my story. The hero of my story is Jesus, and the people that Jesus has surrounded me with. So again, I say this in humility. But I hope that my life and the circumstances that have taken place, I hope that what people are able to see, and my family are able to see, and my kids are able to see, my coworkers and friends, is because of these circumstances, What I hope they see and experience is the height and the depth and the width of God's love in a way that they would have never been able to experience had it not been for this. So one more time, are you going to allow your current circumstances to dictate your future? I appreciate your time. Thank you.